What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the exposit story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Baldhead Bible Podcast is committed to keeping our show free to the public. However, as with everything, there are expenses involved, so if you would like to contribute, head on over to patreon.com, that's patreon.com forward slash baldhead bible, and there you can become a supporting member for as low as $1 a month. While there, please check out some of the bonus material available only to our BHBP supporters. And some of that material includes Bible study guides to help you use the podcast to minister to your children, to minister in a Sunday school class, and to have some quality family devotions. If I shut the sky so there is no rain, or if I command the grasshopper to consume the land, or if I send pestilence on my people, and my people who bear my name humble themselves, pray and seek my face, and turn from their evil ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Second Chronicles seven, thirteen through 14 I wonder if these verses were running through the mind of Manasseh as he sat in Babylonian prison. Later on, when they exhibited him in the royal court, when King Esarhaddon or King Ashurbanipal proudly displayed him with a hook in his nose, showing to the rest of the visiting dignitaries that you don't mess with Assyria. I wonder as he was humiliated again and again in the court of Assyria, I wonder if he remembered these words. I wonder if he remembered these words and thought, you know what, if I humble myself, if I turn from from doing evil, if I seek Yahweh and Yahweh alone, then, then Yahweh will hear me and he'll forgive and he will heal See, Manasseh, he'd done bad. He was a wicked, wicked king. Being the son of Hezekiah, the goat of a godly king, you would think that he would have followed in his father's footsteps. He co-reigned with Hezekiah for 11 years, starting at the age of 12. For 11 years, he would have watched his dad rule wisely and devote his heart to the one true God, Yahweh. He would have seen the daily blessings that this kind of devotion brought to the kingdom, to the people of Judah. But for some reason, Manasseh, when after his dad died, when he became sole ruler, for some reason Manasseh turned his back on the spiritual heritage his father had left behind for him. For some reason he went 180 degrees in the opposite direction. 
He pursued witches and mediums and necromancers. He sought to control the future and to divine what would happen by consulting these witches and those who dabbled in the spirit world. And this went specifically against the law of God. And Manasseh knew it. He would have known Leviticus 19 specifically prohibits consulting mediums or witches. He also rebuilt, he rebuilt the high places his dad had torn down. And he reestablished at these high places worship to other gods. He brought back the altars to Baal and the Asherah poles to the queen goddess Asherah. He even went as far to establish a carved image to Asherah in the temple. The temple was to be dedicated to the name of God, the name of Yahweh alone. And here Manasseh deliberately put a carved image to another deity in that place that was supposed to be totally dedicated to Yahweh alone. Think about it. Think about how evil and vile that was to God. And then in my mind, worst of all, worst of all, he sacrificed his own children to the god Molech. Second Chronicles 33 verse 6 says, He passed his sons through the fire in the Ben-Hilhinim Valley. This was a valley south and west of Jerusalem where idols to the gods of Molech were set up. Child sacrifice was strictly forbidden in the law. Leviticus 18.21 says specifically, You shall not give any of your children to offer them to Molech, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Manasseh would have known this, and yet Manasseh didn't care. And Manasseh sought the favor of these other gods to the point he was willing to sacrifice his own children. Think about that. And then finally, Manasseh began astral worship in Judah. Astral worship was the worship of the stars and the sun and the moon. And he built altars to this type of worship in the temple courts. Again, the very place where God's name was to reside and was to be totally devoted to the one true God, Yahweh. Manasseh sets up the worship of Asherah, Baal, and the worship of the sun, the moon, the stars, all this astral worship. He sets it all up right there in a temple dedicated to the one true God. Manasseh just doesn't care and totally desecrates the temple. And what is doubly amazing to me is that the people, they just go along with it. Manasseh decides to lead the people in the worship of these other gods, but the people didn't have to go along with it, right? The people could have chosen to follow Yahweh, and I'm sure some did. I'm sure there's always a remnant who remained true to the Lord, and I'm sure some did. But the majority just went with Manasseh's lead. The majority, it seems, just followed Manasseh. They were following Hezekiah, giving up on the worship of these other gods. But when his son Manasseh takes over, they just go right back to worshiping these other idols. They gladly followed him. The Bible says under Manasseh's leadership that Manasseh shed so much innocent blood that he filled Jerusalem with it from one end to another. Innocent blood. 
Innocent blood was shed whenever they sacrificed children to Molech. Innocent blood was shed whenever someone led their family, their children to worship other gods like Asherah and Molech and Baal. It became so bad that in the end, the writer of 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles says that Israel, the nation of priests dedicated to Yahweh, ended up doing worse things than the pagan tribes around them. It says in 2 Chronicles 33 verse 9 that Manasseh caused Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to stray so that they did worse evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. They did worse evil. Think about how bad things have become under Manasseh. And then Manasseh reigned for 55 years. Now, 11 of it was co-reigning with his dad, so 55 minus 11 comes to 44. He ultimately reigned by himself for 44, 43 of those 55 years. And his reign ended up being the longest reign of any king of southern or northern Israel. The evilest king who did more to anger the Lord reigned the longest. You know, I wonder how those who were loyal to Yahweh must have felt during this time. I wonder if they thought, is God even here? Or are his promises true? Or I wonder if they thought, would evil triumph in the end? And the goodness and even the judgment of God is just a lie? See, God promised his people blessing in the book of Deuteronomy if they obeyed his rules, if they obeyed his covenant. But in that same book, he also promised them pestilence and disease and disaster and removal from the land as God's judgment if they abandoned him. And I wonder if God's people, loyal to Yahweh during these 45 plus years with Manasseh, I wonder if God's people wondered, where's the judgment? I want the blessing, but where's the judgment that God promises? And Manasseh seems to be a getting away with literal murder year after year, and it seems like God is silent. But he wasn't. God promised judgment and removal of the people from the land if they chose to disobey, and God keeps his promises both good and the judgment kind of promise, right? Yahweh also wasn't silent because he sent Manasseh prophet after prophet to warn him and to tell him that God's judgment was coming. One such prophet was Isaiah, who, according to Jewish tradition, Manasseh executed by sawing him in half. Read Hebrews 11 verse 37 as an indication of this terrible tragedy that probably befell Isaiah, given to him, maybe even carried out by Manasseh himself. So God isn't silent. He sent him Isaiah. Manasseh doesn't listen and has him executed. God sent him the prophet Habakkuk, the prophet Nahum, the prophet Zephaniah, all prophets who warned Manasseh of the terrible judgment to come if he abandoned the Lord, if he chose to worship and follow these other worthless idols. But Manasseh and the people did not listen. 
In the end, God says, his judgment's coming. And his judgment would be like when one cleans a bowl. You take what is left inside the bowl, wipe all that off the bowl, and turn it upside down and put it back in the cupboard. Israel would be like that. Wiped clean, completely removed. All that stuff inside the bowl would be Israel. And they're all going to be removed, wiped clean. That bowl is going to be empty, able to turn upside down because there's going to be nothing left. Completely removed, just like Israel. That is what began to happen during Manasseh's reign. See, God allowed the Assyrian king, again, we're not certain which one, it was either Esarhaddon or Ashurbanipal. He allowed the Assyrian king, one of those two, to capture Jerusalem. And when he captured Jerusalem, he took many of the people captive. And one of them he ripped out of Jerusalem was King Manasseh himself. Second Chronicles says they put a hook in his nose and drug him all the way to Babylon to be their prisoner until he died. He was going to be a symbol of the power and might of Assyria. But in reality, I think he was more a symbol of God's judgment and wrath. And a symbol, again, that God keeps his promises, even those of judgment. But then, something remarkable happened. Manasseh's heart began to change. His hard heart towards Yahweh began to melt. And he began to see the truth of who Yahweh was. The one true God. Maybe it was being stuck in a dark damp, scary prison that woke him up to the truth. Maybe it was being openly mocked in the royal court of Assyria. Maybe it was the reality of what a future looks like without Yahweh that finally broke his hard heart. Either way, at some point, I think Manasseh remembered that promise made by God in Second Chronicles 7, 13 and 14. I think he remembered that promise in 2 Chronicles there, that if he confessed, if he repented, and if he sought to follow Yahweh, that Yahweh would heal, forgive, and restore the land. See, that promise was made to Solomon, one of his ancestors, and it was probably written down at some point. And I think Manasseh read that promise maybe even memorized it, and that came back to his mind and his hard heart. If Israel repented, if they sought his face, that God would forgive and he would heal their land. Then in the middle of all this judgment, if they chose to turn and repent and ask for forgiveness, that God would forgive them and heal. I think Manasseh realized that he needed a change. It says in 2 Chronicles 33, verse 12, when he was in distress, he sought the favor of the Lord his God and earnestly humbled himself before the God of his ancestors. He prayed and Yahweh was receptive to his prayer. 
Think about that. What mercy. This proves that Yahweh is a merciful, loving God, abounding in kindness and love towards those who are willing to seek him and follow him. It says in Exodus 34, verses 6 through 7, The Lord, the Lord is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving iniquity, rebellion, and sin. Deuteronomy 7 verse 9 says, Know that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps his gracious covenant loyalty for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commands. Psalms 86 verse 15 says, But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in faithful love and truth. Think of the ways Manasseh deliberately offended God, deliberately and defiantly shook his fist in the face of God and said, I'm going to worship anyone but you. I will do everything opposite to your words and commands. Think of the lives he killed, the devious acts he probably committed to worship these other little G-gods, so much so that the blood of the innocent filled the streets of Jerusalem, and yet God forgave him. God listened to his prayer and showed him mercy and allowed Manasseh to return to Jerusalem and to be king once again. We don't know how he escaped, or maybe he was released in some type of prisoner exchange. I don't know. All we know is that Manasseh came back home and became king once again. But now, he's a different king with a different heart. He now had a heart for God. He now had a heart that worshipped Yahweh and Yahweh alone. He tried to undo all the horrible things he had done. He tore down the altars to other gods. He removed the Asherah image and altars to astral worship from the temple. He rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem and refortified many cities in Judah. He was a changed man. He led Judah to worship of Yahweh and Yahweh alone. He tried to make reform. But the Bible indicates that the people followed him, but only so far. They worshipped Yahweh exclusively, the Bible says, but at their high places, their altars, indicating they had some type of syncretism. They blended the worship of Yahweh with the worship of their existing deity. See, Manasseh's bad work had stuck, no matter how much reform in the end. The people chose these other gods, or they chose to make Yahweh in their own image in Manasseh. His heart must have been broken. Thinking about all the evil he had caused, and all the ways he had led his people down the wrong path, and they still chose that path. You know, I wonder if Manasseh tried to go on a speaking tour. You know, hey, I was this way and now I'm changed. They made a movie, the film of the week. And look, Manasseh, he used to be pagan. Now he's following Yahweh. I wonder if he tried and tried, but the people, it was too late. 
They wanted this other stuff that came with worshiping these other gods. And I wonder if in the end Manasseh went to his deathbed. Thankful for the mercies of God, but brokenhearted over the wasted years that he had left behind him. In the end, Manasseh repented and God showed him mercy. But Manasseh died and he was buried in the palace garden. Which means he wasn't honored by being buried in the tombs of the great kings of Israel or the great kings of Judah. He wasn't honored with being placed in these wonderful tombs of majesty and honor and revere. No. In the end, Manasseh, he was just buried in his own backyard. Hezekiah, a godly king. But his son Manasseh decided to become one of the vilest kings of all time. You wonder why. You know, what made Manasseh turn his back on everything his dad stood for? It makes me realize that you have no guarantee that your kids will follow God. You can set them up for success. You can raise them in the things of the Lord. But in the end, they will decide for or against Jesus on their own. Their faith is their faith. Your faith is your faith. What will it be? You have to own your faith. You can't rest on the faith of your parents or think somehow that your kids will be godly because you are in the end. It's their choice. It's up to them. As a parent, you have to help your kids to understand that, that they own their faith. Their faith is up to them. And man, if you are a child or a teenager or a young man or woman listening to this, and you've just sort of gone along with the flow, I just want to encourage you, you're going to make a choice someday. Man, I hope you choose to be like Hezekiah. I hope you choose to be like the ending of Manasseh's life, not the beginning. But it's up to you. You've got to choose it. It's your choice. Are you going to own your faith? Or are you going to do something else? Are you going to follow Jesus? Are you going to say, nope, I want to go in this opposite direction? I pray you choose Jesus. But you know, I also come away from this story thinking about this. What a merciful God we serve. He wants to forgive. He desires to show mercy. And as he promised, if we repent, if we turn away from heading in the wrong direction, if we turn away from doing wrong, no matter how long we've been going down that wrong path, if we turn around, repent, and seek Yahweh, God will show you mercy and he will show you love. And he will show you forgiveness no matter what you've done. Man, what a merciful, loving God we serve. And I am thankful that I serve a God like that. Aren't you? Thank you for listening to Bald Head Bible Podcast. 
If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week. Thank you.